It's always good to get back to Creekside. I love it here. And uh, it's a great place to be. I want to, would you, would you indulge me for a few minutes? I want to talk to you about a couple of things and just give you some uh, backdrop here. And uh, just to help you understand a few things. Had some questions recently, so I'm going to kind of address them and just give you a little bit of context. Uh, a lot of times people think, and, and I'm working with churches now, and what you're going to find out is a lot of churches don't really uh, know why they do what they do. Did you know that? Some churches, they just do it because they've always done it. So they continually do it. If you've been a part of this church, well, today's probably a pretty good example. Uh, we don't do what we do every Sunday the same way and with the same reasons or whatever, but we do things with intentional purpose. And today has wonderful purpose behind it. But let me, uh, somebody said, why, do we, why, why are you doing these props? Yeah. How many have wondered that? Okay, maybe not as many as I thought, but let me, let me explain why. Let me give you the biblical reason first, and then I'm going to give you the practical reason. John 1 says this. 1 John 1 says, from the very first day, they were taking it all in. We heard with their audio, with our own ears. We saw visual with our own eyes, and we verified it with our own hands. Do you hear that? They're talking about Jesus. We saw him, we heard him, we felt him, we touched him. There was kinesthetic interaction. Because the word of life appeared right before our eyes and we saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose, what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infant life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it. See how they keep reinforcing those things? We saw it, we heard it. And now we're telling you about it so that you can experience it as well with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. That's 1 John 1, verses 1 through 5. Why do we do some of the things that we do around here? Why do we use props? Why do I use them when I teach? Well, because we want to establish an experience on Sunday morning beyond the typical church where everybody faces forward and they simply listen and see. We want people to be able to go beyond those two modalities of learning. We want there to be interaction as well, kinesthetic, where where people can feel some things. Not only literally with their hands, but hopefully in their whole being. That when people leave, see, it's not just that, because a lot of you, a lot of us, we don't, not all of us learn in the auditory way, do we? Some of us are visual learners. Some of us are hands-on learners. So what we try and do as a church is really to use all the modalities, not every Sunday, but as often as we can. The three main ones are seeing, hearing, and feeling. But today we want to use the feeling and the smelling. Do you smell bread in here? Anybody smell that yet? Yeah. In a minute, you'll see there's some soap on your table. You're going to get to feel that and smell that. And there's a reason for that. When we talk, sometimes when we do a lot of stage props, when people come in, we want them to notice. So, they, so they're not only hearing a message, 
but they're seeing it take place. Verse John 1, 5. What we saw, what we heard, what we felt. We want people to experience it in whatever realm they can experience in. Does that make sense to you? That's why we do some of the things that we do. I'm just going to tell you, I, I, we don't live in a culture that wants to do the same thing over and over and over all the time. Now, some Christ followers do because they're comfortable with that. They want the state and the true. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay? Don't hear me putting that down. Hear me say this, though. Our, our focus as a church, our mission is to reach those who don't know God. And so we will do whatever we can do to help engage the senses and the heart of people. We'll pay any price. We'll do anything as long as it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical. Okay? Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, uh, other questions people have asked, what about these growth groups? Pastor, how come you're making everybody do the same thing? How come that's changing? Hear me on this, loved ones. If you're not changing, guess what? You're not growing. If you're not growing, what are you doing? It's a slow descent to death. And we want to be changing, never just to change. But we want to be changing so that we're always being challenged to think and to grow forward. So we, we, we wanted to, our, our, our small groups had kind of flatlined for the last few years, so we wanted to bring in a different structure, and we've done that. <clears throat> so what we've done is, is we want to make it easier for leaders to get in and lead, so now we're trying to establish margins in them, so we're running three cycles a year, okay? Three cycles. And, with, and, and outside of that's about a four to six week break. That's so the leaders don't get burnt out, tired, and quit. Then, when you, when you want to recruit and bring in other leaders, they'll go, wow, I can do that for eight to 12 weeks with a six-week break. Well, then the question is, well, my pastor, how come you're making all the growth groups do this one study? Well, because we've never done that before except one other time on 40 Days of Purpose. And let me just tell you up front, we're going to do that every year now, probably. Why? Because what we're trying to do, we're trying to simplify Creekside. I don't want to be a church that's heavy on busyness. I don't want you to find all of your relationships and all of your relational needs here. That's not healthy in a church setting. Because then what we begin to do is program to perpetuate everybody here instead of remembering the mission is what? Reaching people out there. So now we're using our growth groups to do a couple of things. Number one, to provide and promote alignment and focus at Creekside. That's why we do the once a year now, uh, what we'll call um, a campaign. One time a year, we want to bring everybody together in our growth groups so that we're all hearing the same thing and moving in the same direction. So hear me, when we do that, it's all about alignment and focus. And the third thing is, is we want to build momentum for our growth groups. 
Right now, we have close to 270 people in our growth groups. That's, that's 73% of our total congregation, which is off the charts for just about every church. So we've, we've accomplished it. We've done two things. We've brought alignment and focus to our mission, which is reaching out. And we brought some momentum so that a lot of people have, have started their growth group, been in it now for the first time. So now they're getting a taste of it. That's why we do that. Does that make sense to you? Okay, good. Now, another thing, people, well, what about our, what about our consultation? What's going on with that? Uh, in the back, and it's, we, we announced it two weeks from the platform, and it was in the program for a couple weeks, uh, we had this thing called an RX update, prescription update from our consultation. These will be back there next week if you want to know what our church is doing. Now, wh- whether you agree or believe this or not, we are a pretty healthy church across the board. But we did need to work on a number of things as well. But the key things that churches should be doing, Creekside's pretty good at. So a lot of the stuff that the consultation team gave us to do is internal infrastructure stuff. But I wanted to make sure that Creekside is updated on that we're working on it. That wasn't just a thing, ho-hum, we did it, now we're moving on. Because we took those things very seriously. Serious enough to the point that right now our church is on a 12% growth rate. Our finances are on a growth rate, up and to the right. In these economic times. That's amazing. Did you realize that in this world right now, there's three places where the church is not growing? Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and North America. But today, I can tell you, we've got new people coming in. We've got people coming off the streets, literally, that have not been in church before. And they've come here. They've made connections to Christ through Creekside. And you need to know that because sometimes you wonder why we do what we do. Listen, just my bottom line is this, and I'm almost done. We have two points to our mission right now. Number one, that we grow in Christ. And number two, that we go for Christ. And everything that we do here, especially on a Sunday morning, generally is to help us move toward that. Okay? Everything we do in our growth groups is to help us grow up and then go out. And that's how we're going to do it. That's what Creekside is about. If anybody ever says, what's Creekside about? Tell them two things. Grow up and go out. Okay? And when I say grow up, every one of us is growing up. Or hopefully. You never stay the same. You're either growing up or you're going backwards. Okay? That's what Creekside's about. Amen? Amen. Can you live with that vision? Kind of, sort of? Okay. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, never let us forget that our call is to reach the lost. Never let us forget, same-o, same-o doesn't work. Never let us forget, you call us to grow to understand more fully the divine nature of Jesus Christ and that every day we would be working and living to be more like him, to look more like him. So I thank you, Lord, for this flock, this precious people that you've called out to you. And Lord, let us remember that that's our calling. Just as we've been called out to you, we are called out to the people in our workplace.
in our community. And Lord, just continue to reinforce that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me, uh, if you take your Bibles out, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 10. Again, today is going to really probably tweak some of us. Okay? Because I know that people will often say to me, Pastor, why do you always jur- talk about journaling? I thought about this, and this is going to probably sound almost arrogant. Um, but I, I hear the spirit that I'm going to share it in. I believe in counseling, okay? I do. And believe me, I've got a lot of broken parts to this man. But I can say this, I really believe this. The reason I've never had to go through counseling or spend time with a counselor is because of God's word and the lessons that I learn from it. That's not bragging, that is just simply, there's only one, because I've got so much, I've had so much brokenness in my life, I really believe that's the reason why um, I, I, can, I can generally keep my life together because of Jesus and, and that he's always talking to me through his word. And I believe that for most people in life, the same thing would be true. And so I want to talk to you about, about this whole thing called the word today. See, often, you know what we forget? We, we don't understand the significant truth that the reason you and I exist, the reason we walk around, have a body, soul, a mind, a spirit, is because God created you. And guess what? He desires to be with you. That boggles my mind to think that the living God, the creator of the universe, wants to be with this broken person in all of his imperfections. But he says, I want to be with you. Now, he wants to be with you, too. Some of us don't believe that. Let me just thematically thread it through the scriptures for you. For instance, in the Garden of Eden, God says that he came and he walked with the man and woman in the cool of the evening until what? Sins separated them and they fell. And then that was it. Consider how the Bible records that God did what? He walked with Enoch. He walked with Noah. He was with Abraham. He was with Jeremiah. God is a with God. And never forget, loved ones, that he is, wants to be with you. But as God was with all of these patriarchs and the prophets, he still wasn't satisfied. So he decides to come down and reside with man himself. And what does he do? He sends his only begotten son, Jesus, as a babe in Bethlehem, God in the flesh. And one of his names, not only, but one of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. But even then, that wasn't enough because he had to resurrect and he ascended into heaven. And it still wasn't quite complete. So if you go to the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, you'll see this community of God pictured as a city. Where in Revelation 21, he says this, I, I did not see the temple in the city of what? Of, 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 the new, of, the, of, of heaven. Doesn't that kind of surprise you? I mean, I'm thinking of heaven. There's going to be like a church on every street corner. But he doesn't say that. He says, I couldn't see, I couldn't see it. Well, Revelation 21.3 says this, I heard a voice, thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. 
They're his people. He's their God. Catch the thread. Catch the spirit of it. He's with his people now. At the culmination of, 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 of history as we know it, God is saying, in essence, no more loneliness. There's no more aloneness with anyone. Now we're all together in community. I am with my people. See, friends, that's the reason you and I live today. He wants to be with us. Do you realize that probably the reason so many people, possibly in this room, experience loneliness is because we've never filled it with the God We're looking for it to take care of a person to take that loneliness. We're looking for a possession. We're looking for a profession, something to fill that God vacuum. And we can't get beyond the loneliness because we really haven't allowed God to come and fill that to be with us. God desires time with us. And part of today is, I want to start tomorrow. Monday, March 8th, just for tomorrow that you would focus on being with Jesus. Nothing heroic, nothing major, but if you can spend one day with Jesus, you can spend every day with Jesus one day at a time. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 10, a very familiar story, and I need to fly through this, but Luke chapter 10 says this, starting at verse 38. Now, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He was coming to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, see, one's working and one's listening. Both are important. Don't don't think that it's either or. It's both and. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Literally, the word preparation means pulled apart. You ever been there? And she came to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by herself? Tell her to help me. Have you ever been there? <laughs> and Jesus goes, Martha, Martha, you're worried about, upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen that which is better. And it's eternal because it won't be taken away from her. Martha was busy but not blessed. Martha was busy, but she was moving toward bitterness in all of her preparations. Jesus, in essence, is saying to her, why are you so upset? You know what? You're worried about things that don't mean anything to me. Yeah, make a simple meal, but don't sit there and get so concerned that you're pulled apart and falling apart at the seams. It doesn't have to be about that. I just want you to sit and to be with me. There's a good chance that all of us are going to drive somewhere tomorrow, isn't there? Work, school, errands. Let me ask, how often are you doing that in a hurry? Let me ask you this. How would you drive if Jesus were in the car? Would it be different? How would... Think of this for a minute. What would his expression look like? When I drive, Trina has two things going. The passenger brake and her hands on the door. And, and I'm not in a hurry. I'm just thinking about 20 other things. I would hope that if Jesus was there, he wouldn't, you know, be working that brake or that pedal. But you're running. I was out running yesterday. It was a crazy day. It was like a full sun or something. Because people were just, I mean, I'm three different cars honked and birds were flying, if you know what I mean. 
It was crazy. People on a Saturday. It wasn't that busy, but it was just crazy. So I want to give you a spiritual quiz to diagnose your driving. I'm going to ask you this. When driving, how often do you use your horn? A, rarely if ever. B, as needed, probably at least once a day. You know those crazies out there. Or C, listen, honking the horn is my primary love language. You know? (laughs) How many would be there? Yeah. See, for a lot of people, the the single biggest enemy we have in walking with Christ and growing in Christ is what? Our pace of life. In the Bible, you'll never read... It never says that anybody runs with God. You won't read. And Jeremiah ran with God, and Moses sprinted with God, and and Joshua raced with... You won't read that. What's the verb that's always used? And they walked with God, or they sat and listened to God. See, our God's a walker. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. Because I'm busy and I want to run. I want to I move. But see, that's how I miss God. Because I want to run. But God walks. Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. What's that about? That's just sitting, waiting. Lord, here I am. I just, I just want to hear from you today. Before I go out the door, I want to hear you. Starting tomorrow, how about this radical act of obedience? That when you drive tomorrow, when you you just take your time, maybe leave a little sooner. How about this, drive the speed limit? How about this one, maybe just, maybe even a mile under it, just to really push yourself. Just for tomorrow, begin to remove some of the hurry from your life. Because see, there's an issue here at stake that we're getting to. The, the, uh, Amos 8.11 says this, The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. It's a famine of soul and spirit that we don't put a premium on our spiritual growth. And that's why, there's, that, that's why we, we face things and we can't get through them or they take us out. Because we haven't learned to listen to the word of the Lord for our own spiritual sustenance. Don't get me wrong. Listen, some of us will say, well, you know, I listen to to whoever on on my commute. Or I stick a CD in and I worship with that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not your sustenance for you. That's like like just, you know, okay, for lunch today, I'm going to have a granola bar. Sweet, it's nice, it's helpful, uh, but it's not solid in terms of your dietary need. Why is that? Well, some people, they really don't care. I don't need to grow. I'm satisfied with where I am. But they don't understand their spiritual condition. But they just believe that, you know what, I'll just stay where I am and I'm good enough. But it never works that way, loved ones. I'm learning at my age, I can i got to work twice as hard to just stay where I am physically, spiritually, emotionally. As we get older, that's the way it works in every domain of our life. I want to just talk about this issue for a second. Um, You see this? This is my alarm clock. 
See this here? This is my pillow. Props. But they remind me of a couple of things. See, some of the best spiritual advice I was ever given is when I wake up, guess what I do? I push the snooze. Now, this is spiritual, so hang with me, because I know some of you go, that's not very spiritual. It is, because this is what I do. When I push my snooze alarm, this is what I know. The alarm's going to go off in nine minutes. So you know what I do for that nine minutes? I lay there on my pillow, and I just begin to pray. Lord, thank you that I get another day. Lord, thank you for what I'm going to face today. And I begin to ask for his GPS system to come and be a part of my just my spiritual thinking. And I just, I just say thanks, and I, I give praise. Now, you have to understand, Trina is usually up at 5.15, and she makes coffee and then does her devotional time. That gives me great pleasure. You see, I don't, my alarm doesn't go off until about 5.45. Coffee's ready. Every once in a while, though, I've got this cat, Ebony Tripod Riley, who jumps up on me, wakes me, and scares the life out of me. And while I'm, and then I'm awake, and then I'll lay there for a season of time because I, I just want to lay there and kind of bring God into my day. And all of a sudden, this guy just starts meowing. That does not give me pleasure. But as I'm praying, every once in a while, I'll get these bad thoughts like, maybe he'll die of hunger. <laughs> that gives me pleasure, Okay. I know that's bad, sorry for all you cat lovers. But I gotta tell you, when that alarm goes off, there's a lot of days that it's not unusual for me to be pretty intimidated by my day. At times, I wake up and I can be overwhelmed by what I have to do. And if I don't recalibrate my thinking, it makes me feel hurried and restless because I know there are people with difficulties. I know there are people with issues that I have to face, problems to be solved, people to deal with that, want, that have demands and expectations that, can I tell you something, I can't meet. I know this, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm still way too broken to take care of all the stuff of the assignments that God has given me. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's how you feel in the morning. That's why I push the snooze. Because I don't want those thoughts to be the first of my day. I want the thoughts to be, oh God, (laughs) thank you for this day. Thank you that you're going with me. Thank you that you're walking with me. And I'll face it. We'll get through it. That's why that time becomes so important, loved ones. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. This was a guy that died in a Nazi prison. He was hanged. He said, for Christians, the beginning of the day should not be haunted by various kinds of concerns that they would face during the day. The Lord stands above the new day, and all worry and all anxiety flee before him. Therefore, in the early morning hours of the day, may our many thoughts and our many idle words be silent. And the first word and the first thought belong to Christ, the one whom our whole life belongs. Starting tomorrow, you'll have first thoughts. Let him, let him begin with Jesus. Let him begin with Christ. Two points here. We'll be done. Get your daily scrub. Let your first thoughts belong to God. And then while you're, 
while you're talking to him and getting ready for the day, do it with Jesus. On your table, each one of you grab one of these. See this little bar of soap? Another prop. How many of you, once a day, use soap or deodorant or some cleaning agent on your body? Raise your hands. Raise them high. Okay. Go ahead and put them down. How many of you don't use... Don't, don't raise your hands. Just... I, I just want to think for a moment. Don't raise your hands. But some of us, maybe we don't every day. Consider this for a moment. Our bodies, they're going to deteriorate and die, rot away, but your soul is eternal. Sometimes because our bodies are physical and more tangible, and we know that other people will be around us, we're pretty, we're pretty punctual, aren't we, in terms of taking care of it, huh? But see, the Bible says this. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water and the word to present herself to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or other blemishes, but holy and blameless. See, God's word is pictured like soap and water that washes us. For tomorrow, when you're washing your face, when you're taking a shower, what if you said, God, just as I'm washing myself with this soap and water, cleansing my body, would you just allow your spirit to wash over me today? Because I'm going to read your word in just a minute, and I want that to cleanse me, to bring healing to me. Can you imagine if you did that? Deuteronomy 32, 2 says this, Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, abundant rain and on tender plants. Throughout Scripture, the word is seen as water. Here Moses, he's literally writing a song to Israel. And he declares to them, listen, let the word come. It's not going to be like a fire hydrant, but it's going to be like a gentle spring rain that brings mist upon you and blessing to you. Get your morning scrub in the word and then get your daily grub. See, you're going to eat tomorrow, aren't you? Jesus said this, pray for our daily bread. It's an it's a, it's, it's a incredible reminder of a couple of things. First of all, I didn't earn this food. What you're going to eat tomorrow, you didn't earn it. God systemically brought it to you. It's his gracious gift to you. We see his goodness and his grace to us in the midst of that. Ecclesiastes 9.7 says this, eat your bread with joy. Each meal ought to be a celebration that God has given you his goodness. Don't take it for granted. Maybe tomorrow you're going to have special K. Maybe some of you are going to have bran. Eat it with joy. Well, well, maybe neither of these can bring you joy. So have a Pop-Tart. Eat it with joy. And ask God to bless that Pop-Tart to the health of your body because only he can do that. That's a miracle. I love Pop-Tarts. But, but eat and celebrate with goodness. But secondly, remember this truth. This is why we want to smell the bread. Remember in Exodus 16, if you're following the Bible reading plan, this is what you're going to hear. He talked to the uh, nation of Israel and he said, I'm going to provide for you every morning manna. Go out and collect it. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man does not eat by bread alone, but out of the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. See, we're going to eat every day. Two or three, four, seven, I don't know how many meals we're going to eat, but we're going to eat. How often do we partake of the bread of life? God's word. 
That's kind of a tough one for some of us. Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 20 says this. When he sits on the throne as a king, he must copy for himself his body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He is always to keep that copy with him and to read it daily as he lives. See, the kings in the Old Testament were challenged to write down their learnings and the law of God. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this. When I discovered your words, God, I devoured them. They are my joy, my heart's delight. Jeremiah 30, verse 2 says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Write down the record. Everything I have said to you, Jeremiah. One of the guys on Friday morning at our journaling group said this. You know something? We were just talking about it. And he said, I love writing this down because it gives me something to go back to. So when I remember what the Lord spoke to me in a situation, I have a record of it. That's exactly what Jeremiah is saying here. I got a record of it. I've told you this before. My journals, they line my shelf. I'm going to die someday. Don't know if my kids ever will. But I hope that they go through and begin to read my journals. Because they'll see how I prayed for them. They'll see how my heart broke for them. How I loved them. How I loved God. How I faced some difficult times in my life. Attacks from people. Attacks from the enemy. And begin to work through. They'll see how a man who just tried to be with God worked through it. So that's what I'm talking to you about today. I want to see us be a people that get our morning scrub and get our morning grub with God. We're going to take a few minutes now. See, this is, every pastor hates to hear this because inevitably somebody will come up to us and go, well, pastor, I'm going to leave. You're just not feeding me. So here we go. Are you hungry? Feed yourself. I knew they'd get three people going. But what we're going to do is we're going to practice doing this now. Two things. See, when I get up in the morning, after I've done my nine-minute interval, I get up, I get Trina's wonderful coffee, I bring it up, I sit at my desk, open my windows, my blind, so that I can see the sun coming up. I've got a journal. I've got a pen. I've got my Bible. And I've got my Bible reading deal here. Bookmark. And you know what I do? I start reading. And I don't get up until I've received something. Sometimes it's very dry. Sometimes it's very good. Just like a meal. Some meals I go, yeah, okay. Other ones I go, honey, whoo, this is good, you know. But that's the way the word works. I do it four to five times a week. Oftentimes, I gave you one on the back of the deal today, a very short one. Usually it's a couple pages for me, but this one's pretty short. But I just want to give you an example. That's what I do. Now, what I want you to do, because I know, I know a lot of the excuses. Some of us will say things like this. Oh, Pastor, I hate to read. Okay. So today we're going to, you know what you can do? Go get CDs of the Bible. Listen to it. We're going to do it on the screen here so you can hear it and see it. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible today, we actually have sheets and extra Bibles you can use on the table, or you can, there's some sheets that actually have the passage. Today, well, there's, there's three passages. 
Uh, the main one is Mark 14. There's a lot of incredible insights in there that you can use. So we're going to invite you to do this. This is the process that we go through. As you're reading, you come up with one scripture. Out of all of the reading, one scripture that kind of jumps out to you. And then on that scripture, you make an observation. If you, like I say, if you need to read how I did it, just to give you an example from Psalm 5, that was January 17th. Sunday morning before I came to church. Now, then you look at an observation. What's an observation about that one scripture? And then you write an application. How am I going to be different because of this scripture? And then you just close with a simple little prayer. Lord, help me to live this out. Lord, help me to become kinder. Now, if you're sitting there and you don't want to do it, don't do it. Nobody's going to bug you. No one's going to go, oh, what a loser. Um, No, really, (laughs) that sounds bad. Creekside doesn't operate that way, okay? So if if you just go, you know, this is not going to turn my crank. I don't even want to try it. That's fine. That's all right. Because you might be here for the first time and go, what am I getting into? But if you want to try it, just try it. It's not going to be graded, okay? We're not going to look at it and go, hmm, that's not very theological. This isn't meant to be theological. This is meant to change your life, to feed your soul, to scrub your heart. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, today we're just going to go out of Mark 14. You can read part of it. We're going to give you about, about probably five to six minutes to read and then pick out a scripture, and then we're going to give you about probably five or ten minutes to write, okay? See, the thing we've got to remember is, is we start somewhere. It isn't about being deep. It isn't even about being theologically correct. It's allowing God to speak to you through his word. Can you imagine if, say, three to five days a week, you took a kernel of truth and not only observed it, but then applied it to your life, how much do you think you would grow as a Christ follower? It would probably be exponential for a lot of us. Not only would we be growing in the word, but we would be growing in our faith as well. And that's what I want to challenge us to do. Would you do me, if you do a, if you really, if you do a a soap devotional sometime in the next week or so, and you go, wow, God spoke to me big time, would you email it to me? Or make a copy of it and hand it to me? I wonder what we could do as a church if we really begin to take this seriously, where we allowed God to scrub our soul and spirit every day and give us grub from heaven. What do you think that would happen to our church? I think it'd transform it. It would make it stronger because we're hearing the voice of the Lord every day. Amen. As the worship team comes in the back table, if you want to buy a journal, we have them there for $6. We have this one for $7 where Pastor Wayne actually walks you through the whole system on a DVD. And uh, we, I, I, we just had to kind of skim over this today, but I wanted to do this to, to kind of get our whole church kind of introduced to it. Never done anything like this before, but uh, this might even be a once a year thing because this is that important to me as your pastor to help us get into the word and to hear God, learn to calibrate our heart for ourselves. So how about tomorrow, March 8th, 2010, we're we're going to start with our first thoughts being with Jesus. We're going to start, we're going to eat with Jesus. We're going to get scrubbed by Jesus.
And most importantly, we're going to walk through our day with greater mind and understanding of what Jesus is doing in us and through us. You don't have to raise your hand. How many are a candidate for that, though? That'd be good, huh? Let's stand together. And let me just say, sometimes we think it has to be long. This was my scripture. Mark 14, 8a, she did what she could. Sometimes it doesn't have to be long. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we say it's the word of God and it's important. That's our preference. A conviction is it's really only important to the degree that we take it in and live it out. And so, Lord, let us walk out today with this challenge. Maybe there's people here today that would say, well, I'm not even a Christian or whatever that is. Lord, maybe they would just take time to begin to read the word to say, is this real? And Lord, give them insight, revelation into your life. For that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.